0: Hello and welcome to Season 2 of the Matters Podcast, brought to you by Clio, the world's leading provider of cloud-based legal software.
1: I'm Nefer McDonald, Affinity Partnerships Manager here at Clio. And that voice you just heard is Clio's co-founder and CEO, Jack Newton. Jack is also the author of the book, The Client-Centered Law Firm. We've spent most of Season 2 of Matters talking about the client-centered model and how to put it into action at your law firm.
0: For many firms, the past couple of years have flipped the script on what it means to be client-centered. The sudden move all over the world to online work and remote lawyering has meant a big shift for the legal industry.
1: In a few episodes this season, some of our guests talk about the shift to remote work and how in some cases it's forced firms to actually serve their clients in a more meaningful way, even when they previously thought remote work wasn't possible, necessary, or wanted.
0: A shift in service delivery methods, however, does not mean a push away from the client-centered model. In fact, the opposite is true. In this digital age, the focus needs to be on creating unmatchable client experiences while working from literally anywhere.
1: Jack, for this episode, you spoke to a lawyer who is an expert at offering virtual legal services, another who has taken lawyering on the road, and a third who's juggling six offices across the globe in four different time zones. I'm excited to hear the breadth of knowledge you are able to tap into for this episode.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, Nefra? Three firms that offer remote services in totally different ways, but they're all client-centered. There are some great takeaways and lots of insightful perspectives for firms moving to or improving on offering remote services to their clients. And our first guest today is going to set all this up for us by laying out the stakes.
1: That's right. Mitch Jackson, a founding partner at Jackson Wilson, was named the 2013 California Litigation Lawyer of the Year, and in the legal world, he's a social media luminary. He's also known as the streaming lawyer because of his use of live video to help encourage and train other lawyers on practicing law in a digital age.
0: In a post-COVID world where law firms need to be able to continue to serve their clients remotely, what I wanted to know from Mitch is what he thinks is the most important thing to remember when it comes to remote work. And Mitch gets right into some really tangible advice for firms moving towards remote service.
2: It comes down to actually walking your talk. In theory, it works. In theory, uh, senior partners, managing partners uh, may be okay with what they think the associates are doing. But in reality, what's really happening? uh, Is a remote worker actually a part of the team? Um, Are they able to network and engage with other managing partners in the firm uh, to help build their career. I think that's still very, very important. Um, When it comes to servicing clients, is how a lawyer remotely working from their home, from Starbucks, from the harbor, which is where I like to hang out sometimes with my laptop, you know, are they providing the quality and level of services that the clients not only need, but should demand. And so in theory, I think local or remote working is a wonderful thing. I actually don't see it going away. Many of the large firms uh, who I'm friends with partners, uh, the owners of these firms, they're going to continue giving their attorneys options to work remotely three to four times a week, subject to everything else that I just talked about, the networking the engagement, there's just something different about meeting somebody, you know, in real life uh, and getting a feel for who they are and, and what they're all about. Having said that, the the firms that are successful with remote working have high-speed internet connections where their lawyers are able to multitask. Whether it's live video, whether it's audio, whether it's a VoIP phone system, whether it's running everything in the cloud, and your CRM depends on all the above. You know, you got to make sure you have the equipment and the backup to do all of these things. Number two, when you're working with a team of lawyers who are representing your firm's brand, where they're they're portraying and making that good first impression with a new client or opposing counsel or a judge, you've got to set up where they're not appearing, uh, you know, with a cat filter head on top of their shoulders. Great story. I met the judge that handled that case. By the way, Jack nice guy. And uh, you want to make sure you've got your team appearing appropriately with a nice background like what you have, Jack, a background like what I have. This is a green screen, everyone, of our law firm, for those of you watching the video, so that when clients come into the third floor, it's going to look familiar to them. There's a reason why I have this here. And so you want to make sure that that initial first impression uh, matches what you want to deliver, the quality of what you want to deliver to your clients. The last thing is, once again, how are you set up with your phones? Okay, when people call the firm and you're working remotely, how does that call get patched through to you? Is it through the firm? Is it through a virtual service? And so you want to make sure that everything is seamless, that there's no unnecessary friction between you and the client between you and the managing partner, between you and the partner that's going to be determining your pay raise next year at the law firm. There are a lot of dynamics. There are a lot of things to keep, to keep, take into consideration, but I think as long as lawyers working remotely focus on, they have the right technology, they're creating the right atmosphere. They've got access to all of their case information through a cloud-based, uh, CRM and, uh, you know, be aware of also noise. I think we're all, uh, whether it's a dog barking, a child screaming at you, look, we all get this, and I think we're a lot more easygoing when this happens, but I will say on, a, on an important case, on an important matter, during an important mediation, that's not appropriate. That's not okay anymore, okay? We've been doing this all too long, and I think the judges and opposing counsel, especially in my in the legal industry- there comes a time and place where you need to have a professional atmosphere and you don't want that coming in. So tape up a message on your front office door at the house. Let everyone know they need to go down to the beach for the next hour because you're going to be on a mediation, right? Send the family out to lunch so you've got some quiet time to take care of business. I think all of these dynamics need to be taken into consideration to create the best uh, environment possible. If you're like me, and you like doing checking your email for 3 hours and returning calls down at the harbor which is what I do i've got a portable uh, battery jack that can that can power up my laptop all of my all of my toys that i use to create the experience i want to create and it'll last for days you know it's it, it's just an amazing tool so it's planning ahead to create the environment that best reflects on you your law firm or your relationships with the clients or your senior partners. And I think when, when lawyers do that, that's where the magic happens. That's where the clients are. This is fine. I'm good with it. Let's move forward. And one more thing, be transparent. If somebody asks you, Jack, are you at home right now? Be honest with them. You know, be honest with them. Absolutely. You know, I wanted to jump on this morning, take care of business for three hours before driving into the firm if you're still going in. So just always be strategically transparent with what you're doing. And when it's all said and done, avoid the dirty clothes and dirty dishes in the background on your live zooms. Trust me, everyone, that's not the way you want to roll if you want to build out your brand as a lawyer. And,
0: and Mitch, you've touched on, on some of this in your previous answer, but maybe there's just anything you want to underscore here. What are some of the important things for law firms to prioritize when they consider how to enhance the client experience for clients who
2: aren't coming into the office? Law firms need to keep their systems. They need to keep what it is they, they require the clients to do simple and easy. It's it's very important in today's world that you need to simplify what it is you're asking a client to do. For example, in litigation, if you have a lot of written discovery that at one time you would just stick in the mail, send to the client with a cover letter to answer all the questions, uh, that's the way it was before COVID-19. I think what smart firms are doing today is they're now digitalizing this entire process so that the client can receive the digital version of written discovery using their laptop, their desktop, or their phone, using digital forms to tap, to swipe, uh, what what hasn't already been added to the form by the legal support team. You want to do the work uh, that you can do so the client doesn't need to. And making this available to a client, I think, simplifies the whole process. They can be sitting on the couch with their family. They can have their phone in their hand. They can tap and answer digital questions once they hit send, it brings it back into the law firm. Depending on the CRM you're using, um, it, depending on the systems and services you're using, it can then take that data. It can uh, automatically bring it back into your legal forms and, and help the young lawyers get set up for that final document that some courts still require to be filed traditionally pa- using paper. Most courts, at least here in California, it's digital. So, so I think things like that make a huge difference when it comes to moving forward, uh, especially after COVID nineteen.
0: Just wanted your perspective on whether you think this shift to distributed work um, is going to number one help law firms tap into new labor pools that have maybe been overlooked historically, uh, and and whether you think this this underlying shift will help drive any improvements in access to justice? Do we think that this is going to help make some transformative changes to even the the underlying economics of how law firms run that might help us bridge that gap?
2: I think the shift is going to make the ability for good lawyers to deliver quality services to more people easier and better. I think the shift that we're seeing post-COVID uh, and the new mindset that not only lawyers, but, but clients and judges have with the technology that's available to us today is going to make the practice of law even a better profession. It's, In my opinion, it's the best profession in the world. It's a, I'm so glad I became a lawyer 35 years ago, Jack. I love helping people. But what I'm seeing happening right now is if there's a good intellectual property lawyer based out of... Florida, New York, or Boston, and a Los Angeles-based law firm is looking for a good IP lawyer, there's now a greater chance than ever, and I'm seeing this happen in real time, where that IP lawyer in New York gets the position in the LA-based firm and is able to deliver services and integrate with senior partners through Zoom, through live video, through all the different technology that's out there today. Uh, And I'm not sure that option would have been available a year and a half ago. I think the same applies to virtual services, whether it's third-party law clerks or paralegals, wherever they may be based around the world, we have the ability now, and I think the mindset now, especially the older senior partners in some of these firms, they're realizing that we're a global environment and we can get our questions answered in our sleep from the other side of the world by literally Ivy League trained lawyers who are doing the research, putting together the briefs, and uh, the quality of the, of the content that we're seeing, Jack, is, is even better oftentimes than what you might find in-house. So I think what's happened is we've gone from lawyers reaching out to me last March when, when COVID hit, hey, Mitch, what's this Zoom thing? Is it like a telephone call on, on the internet or something, <laughs> right? Not even realizing it's a live video. To where we are today, where they're, they've just mastered this application. They're entertaining, they're engaging, right? And so I think this new mindset will allow different industries and different occupations that directly or indirectly support the legal profession to be more easily included into our everyday workflow. It's going to be easier to manage uh, the process. It's going to be uh, easier to appreciate the fact that just because work isn't being done physically here in Los Angeles, and in fact, it's being done on the other side of the world, it doesn't mean that that work's not going to have high quality. It's going to be cost effective. And when it's all said and done, the end results are going to help you knock the socks off of your client's because of the value and the outcome that you were able to bring them in the case. They're not worried about all of the nuts and bolts as to how you brought that value. Value, They're interested in end results. And so by delivering end results and tapping into this global community of a lot of brilliant people that aren't interested in working, driving to and working in a big office building down, downtown, I think that's something that we're seeing happen. And I'm excited for that because I think it's going to really complement everything we've been trying to do for the last three decades at the law firm. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen over the next couple of decades with the practice of law.
1: Jack, every time I hear Mitch on this podcast, I feel like I should be furiously taking notes over here. He always has such clear insights and actionable advice for the legal industry.
0: You're so right, Nefra. And that's why we love having Mitch on Matters. He's like everyone's favorite professor because he can drop so much knowledge on you in a short amount of time and every bit is super valuable.
1: I think he summed up the benefit of remote work well here when he said this shift allows good lawyers to deliver quality services to more people, easier and better. That gets right to the heart of it. And you didn't quite get to talking about how remote work changes the conversation around access to justice. But I think what he's saying here is exactly right. It's making legal service easier and better.
0: Well, Nefra, for our next guest, access to justice is at the core of his decision to practice law on the go. I think I told you in episode four about Justin Osborne's custom fitted RV that operates as a law office on wheels.
1: Oh, that's a hard one to forget.
0: Well, Justin's law firm, Council Carolina, handles personal injury and trial law cases from an office in Raleigh, North Carolina. But Justin and his colleagues also drive around in their RV to offer much-needed pro bono legal services to their community. If you can imagine staff from Osborne, Gambale, Beckley, and Bud sitting outside their vinyl-wrapped RV in blue lawn chairs answering questions, then you've got the gist.
1: Truly a pop-up clinic anywhere they park it.
0: Exactly. It's such an innovative approach to improving access to justice. So I asked Justin to tell us about their RV Legal Clinic and how they've set up their systems to go mobile.
3: Here in North Carolina, like a lot of states, uh, we have what's referred to as a justice gap for civil cases. Um, Best described as it's a a donut with a big hole in the middle. On one end, you have people with means who can afford to hire lawyers. Uh, And on the other end, you have individuals below the poverty line who both qualify for and are able to access government services or groups like Legal Aid. And I have to emphasize the access part because at least in North Carolina, there's only one legal aid attorney for every 10,000 people who qualify and need it. Uh, so there's a number of people who aren't going to get those services, even though they, they do qualify. So everyone else is going to fall into this big hole in the middle. Um, and at least in North Carolina, that's about 80% of the civil legal needs every year that just aren't met. And, you know, these are important issues, housing disputes, discrimination, wage theft, uh, bill collectors, all all the kind of regular things that that most regular people deal with. Um, So we we wanted to create basically a new type of resource and just take our practice out uh, into these areas. Uh, We refer to them as legal deserts, meaning there's just no law firms or or lawyers in the population there. And we essentially set up for the day and it's a no-cost drop-in clinic for people to ask us questions uh, and get answers from us. Um, we, there's no income requirements. There's, there's no sliding scale. Um, we'll review documents, contracts, answer questions, fill up forms, uh, really whatever, uh, legal needs may have come up. Uh, and at this point when we show up, uh, this was at least pre COVID, uh, you know, people would be there basically sitting with, with folders, uh, of things for us to take a look at, because if we couldn't do it, they really didn't feel like anyone else could, or they couldn't afford anyone else to do it. Um, so it's designed to be very casual, very informal, uh, but, but most importantly, just accessible and just to be a different type of resource that we at least didn't have in our community.
0: Tell us a little bit more about how you deliver these legal services remotely. How does that look like? What, what do you actually do on site versus intake and follow up later? Can you talk us a little bit about the workflow and the, the, the tools you use to, to bring this to reality?
3: It, you know, it, it's a challenge because the, the rest of the week we still have a brick and mortar office space with regular paying clients. So we have to have the ability to essentially bring our entire practice with us wherever we go. Um, and so because of that, we're entirely paperless. Uh, we're uh, cloud based. Um, you know, we, we have to be able to take a multi million dollar case out into to rural North Carolina where there not may not be a stoplight. Um, and so, you know, we, we started very low tech early on. It was a lot of paper, everything, uh, a lot of forms for people to fill out. Uh, but but at this point, it's all tablet based. Everything goes into an automation workflow, uh, and it keeps our lives easier. So we can focus on, you know, spending time answering questions and not things like data entry and, and some of that, that mundane admin stuff that everyone else deals with.
0: So this idea of getting out to where your clients are or, or not even where your clients are, but where the legal need is, is an obvious but still innovative idea. You know, we don't see a lot of law firms doing this. Do we need more, R- more law firms with, with RVs or what other ways do you think we can be making legal services available to consumers by, by getting closer to where the, the need is?
3: You know, uh, some folks have asked us: are, are you worried about other law firms copying your idea and getting out an RV? And w- first of all, we would absolutely welcome it. Um, I don't, I don't see many lawyers wanting to sit out in a lawn chair in, in the ninety-degree heat to answering questions. But, but, but we'd love it if we saw it. Um, I will say, you don't have to go out and buy an RV uh, in order to be accessible to the public. Uh, we meet more and more lawyers um, who say, you know, their phone rings, they get these emails, they know it's just going to be a, a one-off and they don't really want their services who, who turn that down. And I think everyone, uh, if they spent a little bit of time, you designated a, a day of the week or a couple hours of the week that you're just going to follow up on some of these very clear, like kick and tires, just have a question they need answered. Uh, you know, some of these requests, I, it, it does make and make a difference. Um, a lot of people, the, the, the reason they're turned off to lawyers is they're worried about getting a big bill they don't know if they have enough of a claim to really pay for a consultation fee you know if you're willing to to spend a little time answering questions for free and just sharing some of your experience and some of your knowledge it really can help this this justice gap issue that we're having
0: i'm i'm curious what do you hear from clients when you or what do you hear from consumers when they come to you with this file folder full of of legal issues that that they've maybe built up and haven't sought out a lawyer to help them resolve. You know what it feels like is a a physical manifestation of this statistic we talk about a lot, which is that seventy seven percent of consumers with legal issues don't see those issues resolved by a lawyer. When you have the conversation around why haven't you connected with a lawyer to this point, what do you hear? What, what is the the core reasons you're you're hearing from those consumers in terms of why they haven't surfaced these to a, to a lawyer to that point?
3: Yeah, you know, we, 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 there are a lot of obstacles, I would say, uh, for, for access to lawyers or for these people to, to get the legal help they need. Um, the biggest one is cost or the mystery about cost. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, lawyers are notorious uh, for not being public about what, what their expenses or what their fees might be. Um, People are turned off by that, that we've found. Um, You know, a a lot of these individuals have difficulty getting to a law office between nine and five or regular business hours. We try to do more pop-ups now that extend into the evening or on the weekend. Uh, Because if if you're a person that has, for instance, no paid time off here here in Wake County, North Carolina, half the population has no paid time off. Uh, So to be able to get to a law firm during business hours for something that you're not even sure if it's a problem or not. Uh, it just becomes an impossible task for a lot of people. Um, and so, you know, we, we are spending time in places that we know that people regularly, they, they live and work in anyway. They're They're going to the grocery store, they're, they're running to church, they're, they're doing something as part of their normal life. And we make it as convenient as possible for them to literally at times roll down their car window, pull over and say, can I ask you a quick question? Uh, you know, these interactions may take five, 10 minutes. Sometimes they take a few hours. Uh, but the goal is just to give them some information so they can get back, you know, back in their day, because a lot of them have other issues that are coming up too, aside from the possible, you know, hassle of dealing with a lawyer. Um, so, you know, convenience is, is really key for, I think, for a lot of these people. And, and a lot of them, I'll, I'll be frank, have sort of um, underestimated how dire their situations are. Right. Um, and what we see is if they have been able to sort of interact with the lawyer earlier in the process, it probably wouldn't have gotten as bad as it was.
0: I'm curious over the course of COVID and maybe even thinking about what the world looks like post COVID, obviously so much of that legal demand is, is moving online and needs to move online. Have Have you thought about what the cloud-based version of this, this RV looks like and, and how you maybe tap into that same, that same underlying need and, and create to a degree, I think even the serendipity or, you're talking about the ease of access that, that your mobile law clinics offer. How do you create that in the cloud?
3: Uh, I, think, I think that's a challenge. Um, I, I will say our local bar uh, has done a good job. They have uh, several times a month, they have mobile call-in networks. Um, they have some, uh, some computer-based, like a, like a chat function that people can ask uh, you know, legal questions through. Um, but, but what we really lack here is, is more of just a physical presence. Um, and, and that is why we felt it was important for us to be visible and to be out for people to come talk to, because we we will meet people and mention, well, the Bar Association does all these great things. Why didn't you call beforehand? Uh, most of them have no idea that's going on. It's just in a different social sphere than they live in. Um, I think the cloud helps us. Uh, maintain and manage all the people that we meet with. There are still concerns about confidentiality, about conflicts, things that we have to deal with just from our ethical standpoint um, as lawyers. And the benefit of the cloud is we can basically stay abreast and keep that fresh and updated um, as we meet people and, and not run into any, any issues down the road. So it gives us our own sort of peace of mind that we can keep doing what we're doing without you know running afoul of, of any of our obligations to our other clients.
0: What are the benefits you've seen from your remote legal clinics?
3: Yeah, so we, we started this, uh, this venture with, with no clients. And really, it, it was a gamble that we felt if we invested in our community, um, that the community would take care of us. Uh, and so what we found, um, you know, a number of instances where we've met with somebody, we've helped someone for free. And then either a friend or family member of theirs has reached out to us with a contingency fee case or something that our firm can make revenue on. So it has created an organic referral network for us, uh, which has been helpful. Uh, We've also had support from socially conscious consumers who they choose our work to do their legal work so we can keep putting gas in the RV. Um, so you know the, the the benefits are there. You know I'd say our our conversion rate is not great. Um, you know a couple cases out of the fifteen hundred or so that we've helped, but uh, it, it's definitely shown uh, material benefits to us as we've done this.
1: What Council Carolina is doing to close that donut hole size gap is really amazing, and I think there's a few big points here to focus on. The first is that remote work creates an opportunity for lawyers to take on pro bono cases and help their community. And just as Justin says, you don't need an RV to do the work they're doing. It could be a phone call after hours or a day blocked off on your schedule.
0: Absolutely, Nefra. And I think it goes to show when you take lowering out of the office, you can often reach more people and serve them where and when it's most convenient to them. And that's what being client-centered is all about.
1: You know, the second piece of this is visibility. If you're always in the office, you're not getting the visibility you might need to attract the clients you want to serve. Justin's team is quite literally bringing legal services to the streets, and their physical presence, if nothing else, is educating citizens around them that they have options for access to justice available to them.
0: I think you've hit the nail right on the head here, Nefra. It's really twofold. They're physically showing people they're available to help. And they're doing it where the people who need to be served are visiting in their
1: everyday lives. I think that last point brings us nicely to the conversation you had with our last guest, Fernando Del Canto. Fernando is not only a history-making lawyer as the first Spanish citizen to hold a double qualification as a barrister in England and a Spanish abogado, but he has created a network of offices across the globe to offer Spanish law, tax, and legal advice where clients need it the most.
0: Del Canto Chambers has six offices across four time zones, with a small staff of multilingual lawyers who serve clients living everywhere from Doha, Qatar, to Cork, Ireland. Obviously, they've worked how to connect with their teams spread out across a wide geography. So I asked Fernando what kinds of systems they use to keep their international offices
4: on the same page. The people that we work with, which are in a, very, in a different time zone, are the people in in Spain, which is one hour ahead, people mm-hmm. in Qatar, which is two hours ahead, and the people in Colombia, which are six hours before? So it's like like America. So somehow the we we try to follow the UK nine to five approach. We have flexi time in our in our work. So some people, I mean, I don't or we don't control the time that people spend in, in, in at working at home or in the small offices we have. I mean, everyone organize their own time. And we have a lot of meetings and we have a particular frame every day between four and 5 p.m. UK time where we try to fit 15 minutes. Uh, we call it a speedy meetings and and we try to i mean if there are big questions or big project that needs to be resolved whatever we try to use that time between four and five everyone keep it available so so it is easy to schedule times i mean we use google calendar quite efficiently so everyone knows what is available for everyone else we use use calendar live for clients so clients can schedule time also in 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 that and we use uh, Google chat for our the majority of our projects instead of email. So we try to move away from email for internal work and, and use email just for important communications and communications with client. So we don't get, I mean, we, we got to a point in which we have more than 250 mails a day. I mean, I, like, and that's unworkable I and mean, you cannot do anything else. So we have worked a lot in, in reducing that.
0: And can you tell me more about how you Provide client centered experiences in a in a way that is maybe amplified with this geographic distribution of your team. Are are you able to calibrate to your clients' needs or 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 even location in a more
4: refined way thanks to this geographic distribution of your team? Yeah, because I mean we do projects typically from A to Z. I mean like like we are involved in in advising on particular transactions. For instance, we are doing now an acquisition in Island. Uh, for, a, for an international company, um, and we need to provide all services for that company. That company is not located in the European Union, um, and so we need to, re- to be really local, you know, in terms of doing the, the implementation of the project. So that, that provides a unique service. In Spain, it's the same. I mean, we do everything for our English-speaking clients in Spain. So we, I mean, this morning, for instance, I mean, we had someone dealing with a international driver license for a client in England. Uh, for, sorry, for a client in Spain who is mm-hmm. English and couldn't travel to, to England. So from the UK office, we provided that. I mean, it's it's like little touches of 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 being helpful, you know, and being being available to them, you know, beyond what a traditional lawyer probably will do you. So that that's that's The local thing that that we, for instance, in Qatar, you cannot travel to Qatar now. I mean, no one can go to Qatar unless you are a resident. So if you want to get something there done, unless you have someone there, there is no way. So things like that, I mean, makes a difference.
1: What Fernando's explaining is such an interesting model that is made almost entirely possible by a shift to remote work. To have lawyers working out of a local office in countries where they have specific expertise is serving Delcanto Chambers clients in a whole new way.
0: Yes, and I want to mention something here that Fernando told me earlier in our interview. Because Delcanto Chambers has many offices, it might be the default to assume they're a large multinational firm. But it's also important to Fernando to clarify that they're actually a pretty small firm. It's just that they are spread out across the globe. So, as a smaller team, they're able to deliver those little touches he talked about because of their unique hyperlocal expertise in all of these different places.
1: It really is a new model of service that's incredibly client centered. Why have one large office filled with lawyers with expertise in one area or locale rather than a virtually connected team spread out across the UK, Colombia, Qatar, and Spain?
0: Exactly. What Fernando has built is quite visionary.
1: So Jack, we've reached the end of this episode, which is where I always ask you, what are you taking away from this episode and these three conversations you've had with lawyers using technology to work from anywhere?
0: I think these three examples of firms doing things differently shows how flexible and convenient client-centered work can be if you want to move away from a traditional office. Mitch is serving clients next to a large battery pack at the edge of the harbor Justin's mobile team is answering legal questions in rural parking lots, and Fernando's firm is spread out across the globe, serving clients in a unique way. It shows the ability to be flexible, doesn't just serve the remote lawyer. It's also about meeting clients where they need to be served. And to me, that's a win-win. Thanks, Jack. Nefra, it's always a pleasure. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in.
1: This has been a presentation of Season 2 of Matters. Based on The Client-Centered Law Firm, the best-selling book by Jack Newton. Matters is hosted by Jack Newton and Nefer McDonald, produced by Andrew Booth and Derek Bolin, and brought to you by Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider. Be sure to subscribe to Matters wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit us at clio.com. To read Jack's book, search for The Client-Centered Law Firm wherever you buy your books.